2: Closing time, turn all of the lights on, over every boy and every girl. Closing time, one last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing
0: Welcome to episode number 286 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we say every ending is another beginning. Yes, it is our season wrap-up. I am your host, Greg Wisdewski. We're going to hand out a bunch of awards, which mean a whole lot to us and to you, the listener, and perhaps not, not very much to the recipients. And for that, that big job, we have been joined by the illustrious Nick Dyka. Nick, how's it going? Good, thanks for having me. We didn't even make Nick bring his bass guitar. That's how kind we are around here. Uh and It would mess with the audio. Oh, for 100%. Uh, we don't we don't have a fourth channel for for instruments. Uh, of course. <laughs> you have just heard Mr. Joshua. How's some Josh? How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. How about you, Greg? Uh this is uh slightly surreal. This is this is ostensibly yeah. my, my last artificial turf war may 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 victory forever be in my favor <laughs> <laughs> Got on uh, on we have a lot of categories we have the preliminary categories which are some we bringing back some that have been suggested by listeners and then we have the the very serious best and worst of 2023 categories all of which we will launch into with uh all of our brains engaged 100 i totally honestly swear that that's how we did this um Yeah, so let's kick it off. I think we'll get right to it. I think we say the player we most enjoyed watching is, you know, a great place to start with this team because there were a lot of things that weren't super enjoyable. So what did we enjoy, Josh? Yeah, so the funny thing about this team, there were parts of it that were
1: fun, right? The team as a whole was not fun, but that doesn't mean there weren't moments or players that were fun. And for me, it's Chris Bassett. I've never watched a pitcher like Chris Bassett with his funky delivery where he just drops his glove side and it just looks like he should be hurt on every pitch or have no command. Like you would never teach a pitcher to throw like this, but Bassett can do it. And then he he throws seven pitches and these 68 mile an hour curveballs and makes people look stupid on them. I just really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and he got And he was awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You can do all that stuff. If you get results, that makes it just just that much more uh, intriguing, you know, worth spending a little time observing. Nick, who did you like uh, setting your eyes upon this year?
2: Yeah, for me, it was uh, Yusei Kikuchi just because he struggled so much in his first year with the Jays. Um, but, you know, even through all the struggles, it was clear, like, he really cared. He really wanted to figure it out. You know, he didn't complain or refuse assignment to the minors cough cough so it was really nice to watch him get back on track this year and he's fun to watch when he's when he's going good too he's he's kind of emotional out there and yeah i'm i'm saying you say
0: yeah no for sure um my pick here is beau bichette um which i'm gonna echo something that you said josh about about bassett which is you would never teach a hitter to hit this way (laughs) <laughs> but Bobbuchette yeah, they tried yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and
0: and now we know why you would not teach a hitter this way because it only works for certain people uh Bobbuchette being being chief among them uh I think he's he's fun to watch uh because he knows himself he knows he's gonna be hacking away um he can get away with not taking walks this is a guy who before his injury led the American league in hits by a wide margin um he gets on base his way which is earning it by hitting his way on board uh that inside out swing's pretty cool and also i i think it was safe to say you could enjoy him on defense this year there were far fewer of the uh what the heck were you thinking with that throw and why was it you know 8 miles away from from first base kind of things um so he he has as you've alluded to several times during the year Josh turned himself into a very serviceable shortstop um so the lack of chaos on that side and the uniqueness of the hitting, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, player we least enjoyed watching. Uh, let start with you, Nick, where uh, it, I think you probably had trouble picking this. Is it because there's so many people down on the list?
2: There, there is, and I, but I think, uh, Greg, after I saw your answer, I, I just want to echo, echo your answer of Vlad Jr., um,
1: yeah, Greg hasn't given his answer yet you're breaking the fourth wall
0: <laughs>
2: yeah I'm so I'm sorry but uh yeah I think Vlad for me just because he is so talented to see him struggle the way he he did this year is the least enjoyable thing I think among a sea of least enjoyable offensive things yeah, I mean, the fourth wall is pretty paper thin on this whole show. So, um, That's
1: not what breaking the fourth wall means.
0: It was just like <laughs> re- breaking the illusion, I guess, is more accurate. He's not talking to the audience. <laughs> um, so I would say uh, my reasons for Vlad Jr. are exactly that, is we have seen peak Vlad Jr. Um, with fantastic results for one season. And we have seen some very, very solid results from him, even when he is not doing all of the things that uh, you would expect a young superstar hitter to do. But when he abandons his approach and the the walks go down and the ground balls continue and, and all these things, that's just, it's like disappointment writ large for me. Uh, so that is what I least enjoy watching is. And, and then magnify it by the lack of clutch anything with runners on base. Yeah. It, uh. Ugh. Uh, Josh, what do you got?
1: You know, it's funny. <laughs> Vlad was like the most, the best player on the team with runners in scoring position. We got the, <laughs> there's <a> this <sweet laughs> weird perception of him that I guess, well, no, it was more, it was actually, no, it was, it, it, he ended up being worse with runners in scoring position than I thought. No, at one point, he was with the best, but his actual LPS ended up at
0: 735, so never mind. <laughs> um, I, what, so there's another thing about yeah being being good with runners in scoring position. I I think there were a lot of... Uh, he got on base with runners in scoring position, but this is the guy who you want to hit a home run or a double, yeah. right? And that well, I mean, didn't... The, the, the power just wasn't there all season. But for me...
1: So Vlad was the answer that first popped into my head, but when I thought about her... Her? More... <laughs> There's no one I loathe watching more at the plate than Matt Chapman. I've never seen – well, no, BJ or Melvin Upton or wherever he was in the Blue Jays had the same problem. But other than those two guys, I've never seen so many people swing and miss at pitches right down the middle. Like Vlad, his issue was that he would swing at pitches that he shouldn't swing at and hit them and put them in play. Or he'd just get get into his head and chase and strike out. Like he didn't strike out a ton, but it was more of the former, where he'd swing at pitches he shouldn't and then hit something at someone. Chapman swinging misses at 92 down the pipe. Like that ball should be over the fence and it's in the catcher's glove. And I just it, I it, so tiring to watch that.
0: Especially after a May in which his OPS was over a thousand. Like, April, you mean? Yeah. Or April, yeah. So I mean, he could do it right he did it for a month what the heck <laughs> fair enough yeah. uh, next category we're going we're gonna to swing back up our favorite moment a single, a single game or play or uh, something that captured the best of the Blue Jays I'm going to pop back to you Josh and I'll go after you but w- when was the moment where you're like man this is all right
1: yeah, so this there's a personal element to it. Um, I brought my mother-in-law to a game; she was visiting, and it was Jay's against the Braves, which you know, it's like that could have gone any kind of direction. How good the Braves were, and Chris Bassett shut them out. The game took two hours and twelve minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I, and, you know, my player I most enjoyed watching was masterful from beginning to end, and also I've been kind of tracking that Jay's inability to throw complete games for a long time. They hadn't had one since 2017. Well, unless you count- Seven inning. Ryu yeah. throwing a seven inning complete game in a double header with the weird rules. But they hadn't had a nine inning complete game since 2017. And they hadn't had a shutout since 2015. So for me to, and, and every time someone gets close, I'm talking about it on Twitter. <laughs> so for me to actually be at the one where they finally do it again was really cool for me.
0: Uh, mine is uh, the 20 plus runs in Tampa. Um, because it is so rare for the Jays to put the Tampa Bay Rays into a position where they roll over and start throwing a position player into pitch uh, ever. And then it's even rarer in Tampa itself for the Jays to score more than seven or eight runs. Now, that this year that was not the hard and fast rule, but it's something I've been, been obsessed with for ages Is is why can't you once in a while unload on tampa's pitching staff so to watch them unload on tampa's pitching staff and then not ease up when uh i can't remember which position player it was um started pitching for vlad to just launch a home run at will off of the guy that was a moment again before i knew how frustrating this team was going to be for the rest of the year that was a moment that was super satisfying for me so it probably remains my favorite moment of the whole season uh nick what do you got for an answer
2: uh, I'm going to say the Jose Batista ceremony, uh, because I can't think of one that actually happened, uh, during, during a meaningful game. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'd say the Jose Batista ceremony because, um, yeah, it was just nice to, I think they did a great job with it. It was, it was nice to see him come back and, you know, reflect on how much he meant to the team and and toronto when he was here uh they um yeah they did
0: overlook a thing though they they overlooked that part that where they were supposed to hire him as the hitting coach at the end of the ceremony (laughs) (laughs) feel like that was a that was a problem um so we move on to the most surreal moment of the season um could be good uh could be bad guess what it's it's going to be bad every time. Um, <laughs> my, had it had to be positive in the past. This, this year, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the playoff game in which they pulled Jose Barrios after a leadoff walk in the fourth. That was surreal to me. That was like the shortest of short ropes ever. And then all of the fallout indicated that I was not alone in wondering how that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, but it it was what it was. You know, it was the t- 2023 Blue Jays. Uh, Josh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that one wasn't so surreal for me because they kind of teased something that was going to happen when pitcher, pitchers were warming up in each of the first three innings. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it was it was after that game against the guardians where kirk did not pinch run or was not pinch run for and the jays lost by one when he was he was thrown at the plate and then they ended up losing by one the the move itself was bad but it was the defense of it that was just like why what the hell is going on <laughs> we we entered the twilight zone Come, saying you might need him for the 11th inning and stuff like that and and people are only complaining because it's Kirk. It's like, yeah, of course, that's why people are complaining. It's because you didn't run for the slowest guy. Oh, it was just like, I just didn't understand anything that was coming out of John Schneider's mouth. It was very weird.
2: All right. And Nick, your surreal moment. Yeah, mine was the Vlad getting picked off in game two of the wild card series. Uh, it just seemed like somebody after Barrios got pulled, it's like, what can we do to make this even more frustrating and annoying for Jay's fans? And then, Vlad got picks off on second with yeah. Let's Boa. make it
0: absolutely <laughs> clear that this team's destiny lies in playing <laughs> playing golf very shortly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, this is this is a category uh, that I is biggest breakout, which I I think when you think breakout, the offense is the the thing that you picture. Um but it's not fair to say I guess you can break out pitching as well. Um Yeah. But uh Josh, what do you have? So my uh, yeah. I, I picked say Kikuchi
1: because he had the best season of his career. He he actually took a legitimate step forward. You know he, he kept his strikeout rate high. Um not as high as last year when it was absurdly high, but that also included a stint in the bullpen. But he Yeah, he had the highest strikeout per nine of his career as a full-time starter. He had the lowest walk rate. And he had a very manageable home run rate. It, he still gave up his share of home runs. He gave 27 in 167 innings. But if you're not walking, guys, and you limit hits the way he did with his, you know, getting missing bats, doesn't hurt you. And he ended up posting by far the best season of his career. So uh,
0: that's Nick, my breakout. I'm gonna see if Nick does this thing again where he changes the answer he wrote down in our in our run sheet. Nick, who do you got?
2: Right. So (laughs) I've been changing the answers to make them a little more positive, but (laughs) I don't have
0: to do that. (laughs) But that's okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, No one, nobody broke out. (laughs) (laughs) There there was no, there were no breakouts. That that was the problem. On offense, yeah.
1: Oh no! So I, my answer was actually what I wrote: an offense, nobody. And then, but also, you say Kikuchi was my answer. So, and I'm like, I'm like, come on, guys. Davis. Schneider
0: he actually wrote this, by the way. You wrote this in our run sheets. <laughs> Davis Schneider has it. Even after an over 30, has an OPS plus at the end of the season of 176. Like, give him a give him. A, I know he wasn't a full time player. You know, I know he fell back to earth, but still. If you were talking about breakout, guy shows up out of nowhere and hits the cover off of the ball for like two weeks. I, you got to at least give him a little tip of the cap for for timing that really, really well. <laughs> he absolutely did. Yeah. 35 games is tough to give a guy
1: breakout because you don't really know what would happen over the course. But yeah, I mean, it's a very fair answer.
2: Okay. Uh, what's wild about David Schneider is according to Fangraph's war, he's worth two wins in those thirty-five games and in his full season, Vlad was worth one, which is <laughs> crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even on baseball reference wars, one point eight in <laughs> thirty-five games. He was awesome. He was incredible.
0: Yeah, he did he did all the things. <laughs> he hit for power. He didn't strike out. He, yeah. Um yeah, okay. Well so, he struck out a ton, but he, he did definitely hit for power and he took walks. And he took walks. So he, he off sorry, he offset his strikeouts enough to have these crazy numbers. Okay. Biggest disappointment. Um, I will start this one. I will say, uh, because I, you know, just personally, George Springer was a huge disappointment for me because of of all the players who have consistently been good at their job over the course of their careers, leading off, George Springer has been a force to be reckoned with, and it's what the Blue Jays have hired you know him to do. And what he has done for the past couple of years is be awesome at the top of the lineup and he was just not awesome he looked so anemic at the plate for and i was just like games need to start off with a bang sometimes and Springer's trademark is leadoff home runs. And then this year the Blue Jays scored less runs in the first inning than any team in baseball. And they were abysmally worse in the first inning. And you gotta you know, you can put some of that on on Vlad and Bo and, and such, but you definitely could put it on George Springer. So yeah,
2: he was disappointing to me. Um Nick. All right, I'm I'm gonna go off script again and <laughs> I can I'm going to say I'm not going to take anyone's answer but I, I am going to say Vlad because so much of what was done last offseason in trading uh, Teoscar and Lourdes and Gabriel Moreno they were the front office was kind of making a bet that Vlad was an elite hitter and you know for the second year in a row we saw a guy who wasn't an elite hitter we saw a guy who looked like he backslid on defense who didn't run the bases particularly well and uh yeah you know this is a guy two years ago we were talking about giving 300 million dollars to and now you know i think at least personally like i'm not sure what his next year looks like it would not shock me obviously if it gets back to like mvp caliber hitting but you know there's a There's starting to be like a lengthy track record of him performing more like Nate Lowe than Miguel Cabrera. So I'd say I'd say he was the biggest disappointment, just given the context of the offensive struggles and all the changes the team made kind of building the offense around him in the offseason. And there's an elephant in the room that neither you or I mentioned, Nick, but I, Josh.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you know, I considered Springer, whose OPS dropped by 100 points from the year before, and well below his career average. Vlad, same reason, 60 points off his career average. But yeah, Alec Manoa, <laughs> yeah. like this, you know, you went with the I went with the pitcher in the breakouts, and the hitter and the pitcher in the most disappointment. But this guy was the opening day starter. Alec Manoa got Cy Young votes last year. He finished third. Uh, I know Nick, in in our bona fide and Bonifacio category last year, picked him as Bonifacio, which, well done, Nick, but...
2: (laughs) I didn't think it was going to go this badly. Well,
1: that's the thing. It's not that it just went bad. It's that it went disaster. He had a 5.87 ERA, a 6.1 walks per nine. His velocity fell. His slider lost break. And then he took his ball and went home, which is going to have lasting impact on the Blue Jays' plans for the offseason because if they were looking to move him or or anything like that, well, you can't do it. How do you trade that guy now? Like, his, velocity, his his value's in the tank. And But the relationship might just be fractured. We don't know. But it's just all so messy, and all of it could have been avoided if he had just either pitched better or just worked on stuff when he got sent down the second time. So absolutely, for me, he's the biggest disappointment. And the difference, too, is because... You know, when it comes to Vlad and Springer for me, like I was really disappointed in their performance for sure. Like your answers were really good on that level, but I wasn't disappointed in them.
0: Yeah, a yeah, personally,
1: you, yeah, right. And I am now disappointed in Alec Manoa. I liked Alec Manoa. I rooted for Alec Manoa. I am not rooting for Alec Manoa anymore after what he apparently has done. And until we get an answer to the contrary, that's what I believe happened. That he just like he got angry at being sent down, and he just wanted to find an injury so he could get service time or something and it's like instead of working on stuff and accepting that he was bad so yeah
2: okay, here, here's another question too why did they bring him up again so quickly after they like, needed pitching it was yeah.
1: that, like they just they didn't have a choice it, they they had I'm going to get to this with one of my other answers to another question but the depth was bad and, you know they were starting Trevor Richards and it just he, he had a successful outing in the minors like okay come back just get us till Ryu comes back
0: yeah, that is I, why I didn't yeah. think I would be so pleased with five innings of, you know, decent baseball from Hyunjin Ryu as being the savior of the, this rotation, which was in serious trouble with Alec Benoa in it, if we were going to run out to the end of the season. Um, yeah, and, and for what it's worth, by the way, in his first few outings back,
1: his first five before he got sent back down again, he was acceptable. You know, he averaged five innings per start. He had an ERA of 4.26. You know, the walk rate was still awful. And, the you know, if you look at FIP, which I hate, but if you look, it's like it was terrible. And obviously the process wasn't good, but he was doing the job enough. But then when they lost that, you know, those when they could go back to a five-man rotation, he was the clear sixth man. There was no objective way to say that he was better than Ryu. And yet yeah. he got all whiny and was a big baby about it. So,
0: yeah, know. All right. Rock bottom. We, we talk about this every every season. At some point, there's a, there's a moment where you're like, man, it cannot get any worse than this. And occasionally, the team pulls itself out of it and, and reverses course. And uh, other times, the team just scrapes the bottom for a while. And I would argue that the Blues actually kind of did reverse course after uh, what I'm yeah. going to get. We all agree on this one. Um, but I you will let say Josh it. say it. Oh, You want me to say oh, it? Okay. okay. It's the four-game yeah. sweep at home versus Texas. It was... yeah. It was, you know, every every narrative thing that could go against the Blue Jays in that series was. It was like, you are now in a playoff position. Winning one game keeps you in the, I believe, in the first wild card, basically. Like
1: No, it would have kept them in the third wild card. Third it would wild have kept them card. ahead of Texas.
0: Yeah. Um, you are playing the team that is chasing you. You have had a successful road trip and are you know, are looking to to cement your position as being effective and dominant. Cool. And then you just got,
2: just Texas wiped the floor with them at home. And Texas had been struggling, if I'm not mistaken, coming to that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Then they scored 35
1: runs in four games and gave up nine. Like that Jason Scott scored 35 to nine in a four game set at home against the team chasing them for a postseason spot there's no other argument for the bottom it was just a disaster
2: (laughs) to to quote to to bring back one of my favorite uh greg quotes the blue jays are here to help struggling on offense (laughs) the blue jays are here to help
0: oh man i hadn't used that
2: all
1: year it was just terrible in that series too right so we talked about this a bunch and this was echoes of 2016 where it happened against the rays but where the pitching just had been carrying and carrying and carrying and carrying an underperforming offense. And then they just broke for a series <laughs> and it happened again, like that Tampa series in 2016, the worst possible time in yeah. the Bassett, Ryu and Gaussman were all awful. Or oh, sorry, Bassman, Kikuchi and Gaussman. Ryu was actually not bad, but uh, yeah, it was, it, it was not good.
0: So we go to uh, the last of the, you know, preliminary categories, the biggest surprise. Um, I will start. With the return and the competence of Hyunjin Ryu. And I'm not knocking Ryu. I didn't think he'd be bad. I didn't think he'd ever be back as a Blue Jay, is, is, no. is my shot. Mm-hmm. I think all of us agree, when, when he got uh, you know, the, the torn UCL and was, was going to have Tommy John as a 34-and-a-half-year-old or whatever he was at the time, a lot of people said, well, Hyunjin Ryu has thrown his last pitch as a Blue Jay. And he's 35 and a half. 35 and a half. So he comes back. He is as good as you could possibly have hoped he would be. He has the control that he needs to survive with the velocity that he has. And he, you know, he finishes out the season with no additional injuries or difficulties. Did not see that coming. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Nick, what was your big surprise?
2: Uh, For me, it was the Jays seemed to hit on every one of the older free agents they signed between, you know, Kiermaier and Brandon Belt. Those two guys were not particularly Bassett. Yep. Yep. Like Bassett has been healthy, but like Kiermaier and Belt have battled a lot of injuries. Like Belt was coming off knee surgery. I think Kiermaier had hip surgery last year. Like both of them stayed healthy. Bassett stayed healthy and effective. And like Kiermaier and Belt were very productive players for the Jays too. Um, so to me, uh, that was that was kind of a big surprise. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, Kiermaier was worth four wins above replacement for the Jays.
2: <laughs> Belt had the highest OPS on the team, which is and by a long shot. Old. Yeah. Non-David. Well, Schneider unless we count division. David Schneider,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, we we could go to you know the the, the qualified hitter barrier there, uh, or at least the you know 400 plate appearances <laughs> barrier, or yeah, 40 games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Josh, your
1: your surprise. Yeah, so I just alluded to this, but the Jays' rotation depth entering the season was a big problem. Now we looked at it, especially when Ricky tideman got hurt early in the year. There was nobody to come up, and so if Kikuchi was bad, or someone got hurt, or two of those things happened, which you know happens almost every year, they were screwed. But they did not have a pitcher miss a single start due to injury. Now, as we mentioned, they sent Alec Manoa down for about four or five starts, and they replaced it with with you know openers, which was mostly Trevor Richards, not only, but. They did not lose a single game to injury. And that is unbelievable. Again, 2016, <laughs> the, the parallels are tremendous here. Same thing happened there where the Drew Hutchison had to make two spot starts and they nobody else missed a start. But, yeah, so they only had four starts from a pitcher who wasn't in their opening day rotation. Three of them were Trevor Richards and one of them was Wes Parsons in the last game of the year. That's really, really amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I was his name uh, actually Wes Parsons? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, go figure. <laughs> Why do you say it that way? I thought his name was like something Stevenson or...
0: Wow. Oh, no, I not close.
2: Yeah. Okay. So
0: I sent, a, I sent a chart that someone had put on Twitter and it was all of the team's percentage of starts uh, by people who were in the opening day rotation. Now, I don't know if they factored in Ryu properly. Um, they did not. They, they did just, not. They did not include Ryu. Yeah. It was 91% of the Blue Jays starts, far and away above every other team in baseball. So, you know, not only was it unusual for the Blue Jays, it's also unusual, period. So, yeah, that is a big surprise. Generally, a marker of a team that's
1: going to make the postseason is if their rotation stays healthy. If you use five or six starting pitchers throughout a season, you're going to be good. And that's what the Jays did. They used six, really. I mean, Richards, again, three times, and then – Parsons was only because it was the last game of the season. They had
2: three games where they had to use an extra starting pitcher. That's just unreal. Not not to bring this down again, but I'm going to. And part of the reason I think this this season did feel so frustrating for fans is because of things like this. They had such great health in the rotation. The veterans, like I was saying, with Belt and Kiermaier, they played well. Davis Schneider comes up and, you know, turns into babe ruth for a little while they had all these things go right and it still just never felt like they could do much uh yeah
1: i mean that that was the that was the problem of the season right is that if the play four players we said this on the last episode you weren't on it so i'll repeat it oh yeah yeah, yeah,
2: uh, or sorry uh, kirk
1: yeah kirk varsho vlad Vlad, and springer if they hit as expected this is a 98 win team or something like that's how much of a disappointment the offense was, which was led by those four guys having horrible seasons for them, for their at least from what you'd expect from them. So yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, the <laughs> the good make it made it worse in a
0: sense. Yeah. Um, now we move over to listener categories. Some of which are, uh, you know, honest and true. Other ones have uh, tongue in cheek, uh, but we answer them all if we if we feel like there's there's something there to answer so the best pitching performance of nine outs or fewer from mike at go sends go on twitter uh nick nick you had an idea what what answer mike was after
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 mike mike uh wants us to talk more i guess about the jose barrios decision uh being pulled um i did so i did listen i did listen to your guys podcast uh, two weeks ago, the what the only thing I'll add is I have been watching a little bit of the playoffs and I've seen that happen a few times on a few different teams. The Phillies pulled Ranger Suarez. He was dealing not the,
1: in the fourth inning when he was dealing.
2: When did, what, how, how far did he get into that game against, against Atlanta? I'm talking about against Atlanta in the division series, not in the CS uh, I'll
1: have to check, but you can keep talking. I'll yeah. look while you're while you're checking.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the division series they pulled Ranger Suarez in the fourth, um, and I saw I forget who the Diamondbacks pulled someone <coughs> as well.
1: Yeah, um, so they did it. No, but he had walked five batters.
2: So that's, that's, what, that's, right. that's not you're 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 you're
1: right, right. He he, he had up a... a home run. <laughs> like, that, that guy has to come out. Barrios had been getting been dominating. That was the difference. It's not that he was taken out early. It's that he was taken out while dominating that's what made it weird
0: but you know what we're gonna tell mike that that was the, oh no have... i was looking at the
1: wrong season sorry that was last year they did that no you're right he was pitching well but he, he he came out in the fourth
0: same thing
2: yeah i i think this is this is a not a blue jays thing this is like a, a baseball thing right I tell, now and I tell so... you what
0: if you say kikuchi doesn't allow any runs we're not talking about it. No one it. talks about it. Yeah. No, no. It, <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. we, we said, like, the process,
1: like, the law, the thought process behind it was sound. It was mm-hmm. just that he was doing so well, and then Kikuchi struggled.
2: Oh, actually, Josh, if I can ask you something, because I, I did notice this. Berrios was throwing harder. He was, was, yeah. He was
1: about one and a half miles an hour up.
2: Yeah. Is there any chance that, like, he knew he was going to get an early hook, and so he was I don't know enough about pitching, but can I would he go surprised. out there and throw harder?
1: He could, but for four innings, it's tougher to do that when you don't know exactly when you're coming out. So, right. no, I don't think that was the case. I think he was just like the adrenaline of the postseason.
0: We, we have seen a couple times where Barrios comes out and is on fire with his velocity, I think. I think that's mm-hmm. happened a couple times. What we're going to disagree uh, with all of that assessment, we're going to say uh, Josh and I agree that Trevor Richards versus the Twins in June, he he came in, he threw three innings, he struck out seven, mm. <laughs> he walked one and allowed a single hit. Yeah. I don't know. This ties seven in very Ks? nicely.
1: Yeah, this is just ties in very nicely with what the answer we, we I just gave about the rotation. When they had to go to Richards, it went really, really well. Yeah. That game was unbelievable. I and mean, again, yeah, against a good team. Yeah, against the team, that yeah. knocked the, the Jays the out. Twins. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> the The reason the Jays don't care about rotation depth is they'll let Trevor Richards die on the mound. but yeah. he will, They'll 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 just send him back out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we will examine the truth of that some other time. Uh, the best, the next category, best player we will forget played for the Jays five years from now. I'm gonna start Paul DeYoung, and you know why I say that. Not because Paul DeYoung was, like, one for 45 or some BS while he was with Blue Jay. I forgot he played for the Blue Jays until I looked at the depth chart this year. (laughs) So I'm way ahead of five years from now. I blocked it out already. Uh, Josh, who do you have? um,
1: Yeah, so if it's just players for played for the Blue Jays this year, I went with Zach Pop. Because... he was there at the beginning he was key he was like a setup guy and then he was gone by the end of april <laughs> he got hurt and never came back he was healthy but just not performing um i said what maryfield if i had to pick someone who didn't play for the who played we have to forget played for the jays but no it is paul de Young is a much better answer
2: than that uh nick yeah i think if it's forget just straight up forgetting i think paul de Young's is a good a good answer too um but good player, I think maybe maybe Brandon Belt, because he's either going to retire um, this year or he'll he'll play for someone else. And I'm then and I think if he plays for someone else, we're going to we're going to forget his, he ended his career on the Jays.
0: Yeah. I mean, Young is an answer because he was a good player somewhere, just not for us.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well. Uh- I thought Zach Pop was going to be like one of the high leverage relievers, like early in the season. He I looked. Think that's good. what they wanted him to be. I bet <laughs> you
0: Zach Pop saw, thought the same thing. Um, <laughs> Next category: most unfairly maligned player. Al at Ellie Ellie Heart asks. I'm actually, as much as I called him the biggest disappointment, I'm going to pick Vlad Jr. And this is <laughs> this is based on a, an interaction I had literally with some random old guy when i was uh repping a rogers uniform um he told me that that vlad jr is getting paid too much uh they're they're not actually paying him that much sir but (laughs) uh, i think that that the amount of hate that vlad gets from the fan base overall is probably because he's the face of the franchise in so many ways, is probably well out of his proportion to his impact on the team, even when he's not playing particularly well. Because he's still a league average hitter and a decent or above average defensive first baseman, right? Like replacing Vlad Jr.
2: Is is he a good defensive first baseman? I think he had a good defensive year last year. I I don't think he's horrible. Um, But replacing Vlad Jr.
0: It, for for what he costs at the moment is actually still a hard thing to do. Um, whereas, yeah, replacing some of our other answers, um, maybe not that hard to do. But that's my take. What's your take, Josh? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty fair
1: um, that Vlad probably does get... I mean, that's the general rule, though. The The better you are, the more people will dislike you if you don't do what they expect. So... I surely get that. I said Kevin Vigio because people. I mean, I'm probably included in this. I don't remember. So if I if I said it, I no one would. It wouldn't shock me. People were like, this guy needs to be gone off the team. I know I said that about about Santiago Espinal. (laughs) He should have been off (laughs) the team. But uh, Vigio had a pretty solid season. I mean, he he. For the first time ever, he turned into an actual super utility player. He could play defensively well at third base and in the outfield, which was never the case before. He was always just like you could stick him there and hope the ball wasn't hit to him. But he turned into a, a solid defender at those positions, at least in the limited time he saw there. And he ended up with a 340 on base into 370 slugging, not the power you'd necessarily want, but the on base there. And, uh, you know, an OPS plus of 98, like that's a pretty useful bench player. Yeah. Hundred percent. And also, when he was called on to hit against lefties, which wasn't that
0: often, only like fifty-three plate appearances,
1: he hit two ninety-eight <laughs> with a three fifty-nine on base.
0: Yeah, he, he didn't look like some of those left-handers we have we have had in the uh in the slot uh on the bench. Uh out of like fishes fishes out of water. Uh, Nick, who you got?
2: Um I'd say my my short answer is, is- Gavin Biggio too. I I agree with a lot of what Josh says to go back to, to Vlad, I I will say he's such a confusing player because as you, as you said, Josh, or sorry, Greg, there's like people who, who are disappointed that he's, you know, he's not a elite superstar, but I feel like part of that is because he is presented to fans as that player and and that's maybe where where some of that comes from sure um yeah. mm-hmm. and and i don't know why people are doing that because that's that's unfair to vlad that's un but like should he yeah, should it's, never it's, have it's,
0: hit those 48 homers
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's just so many confusing things about like the narratives around vlad like people talk about how young he is and you know i, I forget who said it but someone's like. Yeah, he's 25, but you don't play baseball until you're 50. Like, you know, it's not he's he's young in real life terms, but not necessarily in baseball terms. And especially not in relation to like how the league is moving with with, you know, younger players coming up earlier and dominating more quickly. So, yeah, I I I feel for Vlad. I just I don't understand. I, I, I do think it's fair for fans to be disappointed because they did build their team around him too. And he hasn't made good on that. That's just not his fault. Indeed. Um, So I'm going to go to our next category, which uh,
0: a reminder that we only have so many moments this season to talk about. (laughs) Most memorable moment. This is from Minor Leaguer. Uh, Nick, uh, I'll go right back to you.
2: Yeah, for for me, obviously, it was it was getting yanked in in Game Two. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's, it's a like the
0: meltdown of... against Seattle. It's like it just just it burns yeah. so bright. Yeah, but, and also
1: because yeah. it was this is my answer too. I agreed with Nick completely. It was it, it was talked about over and over and over and over and over again after it happened because he didn't get through it. By the way, Suarez had two runners on when he came out with two outs, so a little different. But. Um, yeah like again it's not even necessarily it was like a horrible move i mean you know as the front office guy said they defended the decision they thought it was fine um but it's the winning runs that knocked them out of the postseason scored after a controversial at least move (laughs) no one's gonna forget that
2: here's here's the funny thing about that too is everyone's talking about how you have to like watch the game with your eyes and I was watching the game with my eyes too, and Kikuchi gave up like a couple ground balls. It's not like he came in and then got like. Yeah, we talked up. about that in the last episode. He didn't yeah. pitch
0: badly. He just yeah. had unfortunate. The walk didn't help, but he was on. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. Yeah, um, my I'm going to go way off chart for this one as most memorable moment. Um, there, there's that old saying: oh, you go, go, you definitely should go to the ballpark tonight because you might see something you've never seen before. Cole Reagans handed the Blue Jays a victory by throwing three baseballs so far away from the zone that his catcher had no hope (laughs) whatsoever of finding them. And he did it with runners on third all the time. I have no idea what happened there. I have never seen that before. So, uh, yeah, that was memorable for me in terms of even just reading the notification on my phone of X scores on a wild pitch, X scores on a wild pitch. X- I'm like what what is going on I don't understand <laughs> so fell yeah. down on two of them yeah like just insane yeah. um that, that you know it, it and I say it's most memorable because I, I remember, I do not remember the pitcher's name, but years ago, uh, back when it was in the kingdom, Seattle brought in a rookie pitcher against the Blue Jays and he walked people with 12 consecutive balls before he was getting pulled. And I was like, wow, I'm going to remember this forever. And guess what? Uh, I do. And it's like,
2: I mean, it's the kingdom. How long has that been? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was crazy because Reagan's was dominating before that, too. <laughs> I know
1: yeah but he's doing
0: nothing
2: yeah <laughs> yeah the, that he literally handed them the victory There was like
0: uh, all right ground ball artist of the year uh, from bk at uh underscore bkuh underscore uh i am uh going to go to uh nick here
2: who is the ground ball artist of the year the big uh trade deadline acquisition jordan hicks
1: nice yeah 58 percent i picked meza who's also a little like a 58.4 percent or something i mean they're the only two ground ball pitchers the jays had actually uh, everybody else was under 50 percent but yeah those two guys generated a lot and hicks's use of ground ability to generate ground balls versus right and left-handed batters is why he got so many leverage spots down the stretch
0: i am a horrible person so i picked vlad jr
1: So here's what's funny about that. He had the lowest ground ball rate of his career. Still too high,
0: Josh.
1: (laughs) It was lower than 2021. His line drive rate was better than 2021. But his weak contact
0: rate was the highest of his career. (laughs) Yeah, there's a certain kind of ground ball that matters, I guess, which is why Artist comes into it. He was really Mm -hmm. good at softly hitting the ground balls he did. So they... They definitely could turn into outs and and uh, and double plays. Yeah. Uh, most glaring manager mistake of the year uh, is Robert Marsiglio's Marsilio. Marsilio's uh, uh, nomination at rob underscore s i g l i o if you want to follow him. Whose um, uh, do do. do whose turn is it, Nick?
2: Oh, yeah, well, the game where... I forget who the Jays were playing, but uh, Schneider had forgotten he'd been to the mound, or they'd already had a mound visit, sorry. Uh, And so he came out a second time and had to pull Manoa. I
1: think it was against Baltimore.
2: Not the team you wanted against.
0: Uh, Josh, you are in in concurrence with that?
1: Yeah, it was... (laughs) like. There I mean there are other mistakes that are worth mentioning. Like I talked about the one with Kirk Pinch running before and yeah, you know, like he's made a, a couple bizarre ones and but glaring, like not for remembering that you've made a mound visit already. I mean for that to be fair, more he had glaring he had to that. talk
0: to Alec Manoa a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. But man, so you should know. It's like, okay, can I talk to Alec again? I mean uh, we've already gone out there, right? that was really bad. He was going to take, it sounds like he should have taken him out
0: anyway, given the context, but man, like that, that should not happen ever. Uh, Mine was warming up Mesa at the, uh, the end of a game where he went out against Tampa when he was later revealed. He was never going to pull Romano anyway, because Romano was his closer. Okay. Well then why are you hurting (laughs) Mesa's For, by warming him up for absolutely nothing if you're never going to take him what is the what was the purpose like i don't Yeah. So th- this happened in that
1: last series against the, la- the last series in tampa not the one at home um the one where they blew the game in the ninth inning where romano just didn't pitch well
0: but yeah it's like if remain Rame- if there's no scenario where Maze is coming in why is he warming up right yeah and if there is, admit that there is, and then you blinked because Romano told you something. It, 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 it's a mistake, regardless. You know, it's, it's either a mistake to not take Romano out, or it's a mistake to have Mesa warming up when you're never going to take Romano out. There's no, there's no, that's not right, no matter what. Um, you can pick which one was the mistake. Um, here's another category that is truly a challenging one to pick, The moments we realized that this team was not what we expected it, uh and expected from is that nasty nate at tim the tuna 69 um i mean i just put may question mark like the entire (laughs) month of may (laughs) i don't know it seemed like april things were lining up as planned and then may happened and it never never really changed um josh
1: yeah, so may was the first thought i had because they had that structure then two and nine against the um, red sox yankees and uh, orioles i think it was but for me like the point where it was like really really clear was like that late series or mid-season series where they faced the guardians and then the Nats, and they just like they can't even hit these guys it's <laughs> like okay
0: this team just they can't hit yeah uh nick did you have a did you settle on something
2: yeah i i didn't write it down because i realized it was in within that stretch i was going to say the may series where they went uh one and three against the orioles at home and they blew like a couple late leads i think in that series um but yeah that that for me was the like these would have been
1: contenders
0: for rock bottom by the way
2: (laughs) yeah sadly it was too early for rock bottom but
0: otherwise (laughs) we were there Mm -hmm. um and then we have our returning listener categories, things we've gone to year after year because we, we do enjoy the spin that they put. Would you like to pronounce the first category, Josh, since you enjoy doing it so much? Yes, it's fide or bonifacio. Again, this was like,
1: this was a, a thing they did on the ESPN Fantasy Focus podcast forever, this category, which a listener suggested to us years back and we stole it. But the context is that Emilio Bonifacio would start off hot and people like, oh, he's he's having a great season and he'd have the horrible rest of the year. So he was the opposite of bona fide. He was not going to sustain it.
0: I feel bad that that's so, his legacy in, in Major League Baseball potentially, or at least the social legacy of Major League Baseball. Bona fide? <laughs> <laughs> it's bona fide. Um, <laughs> so my bona fide, uh, I'm bad at these, by the way. I don't think I've ever gotten one of these right. So my bona fide is uh, David Schneider uh why david schneider i do not think he's going to have a 176 ops plus next year that's not what i'm saying i'm saying david schneider has revealed himself to be a competent major league hitter who has a good plate uh good good strike zone judgment and power um i think he can keep doing that if called upon to be the everyday you know second baseman um so that's my bonaf- bonafide uh my bonafacio uh, is a we're going to hear this a lot Tim Meza who was out of this world good for the first time ever he's a reliever does any reliever who does x for the first time ever like 3 or 4 years into his career do it again mm, probably not Josh Yeah um so I I really I mean
1: Schneider's a great example great answer um but I I went with Kikuchi just because How can I not say he's bonafide if before the season I said I thought he was going to do this and then he did it? (laughs) (laughs) What credibility would I have? We're going to ride that baby.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, and then,
1: yeah, same thing. It's Tim Mesa, right? I mean, he was good at stopping inherited runners from scoring. He had an ERA of 140, 152. It's like, of course that's not going to be sustainable. He's never done anything like that, even in the minors. So I still think he's going to be a
0: solid reliever, but there's no way, (laughs) no way that that's real. And Nick, here's your chance to say something original by going off script, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I, I agree with uh, you, Greg. I think David Schneider is, is going to be a a contributor next year. Um, Yeah. He's, he's got power. He's got patience and you can move him around a little bit too. Like, I don't think he looked terrible when he was playing third or second and you know you can stick him in a corner in the outfield uh although they didn't really do that too often um so yeah i'm 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 excited and it, just watching the team this year it's like a guy who can hit it out of the park oh it's just yeah. nice it's, <laughs> it's nice to know it's possible so yeah our next oh and then uh, tim for the, yeah
0: uh our next uh category most overlooked contribution josh what do you got
1: yeah uh jay jackson um I, I don't know how many people would overlook it but he kind of was the ninth man in the bullpen or the eighth man in the bullpen he was not on the postseason roster he was on the roster for most of september but yeah, this
0: guy I, crazy number.
1: Yeah, so yeah a 212 era he pitched 29 and two-thirds innings i mean it's not it's not like this is a reliever give them 10 innings he he, he appeared in 25 games <laughs> he had he went multiple innings in a few of them he had that tremendous outing against the dodgers where he shut them down in extra innings and, and they ended up he ended up getting a win i mean he he was just tremendous he actually he only gave up runs in he he, he had a three three outing stretch where he gave up a run in each one in the middle of august other than that, he did not give up a run from the beginning of June to the end of September. <laughs> so, yeah, he was great.
2: Uh, Nick, yeah, I agree with Josh, and I was pretty disappointed when I saw them cut him on the last day of the season um, to make room for Wes Parsons. It was, uh, yep. yeah, that that was that was pretty frustrating because he was he was a great contributor. Going back and forth between Buffalo all season was not easy. I kind of anticipate he knew that was his role, and the Jays did communicate that. But man, it, he, he had, it was a, that's a tough job to do. Um, so definitely, I, I, would, I, I agree with Josh.
0: I agree in that sense. And I would also just give a shout out to the fact that he was dealing with a serious personal issue with a premature baby being born during all of that and still managing when he when he was asked to perform still coming in with his head screwed on you know straight and and being able to be an elite pitcher was that's just extra crazy to me because i know when i'm working and i got stuff going on at home it's way tougher to focus so big shout out to him he's not my answer my answer is danny jansen um we keep talking about oh a guy who can actually hit it out of the ballpark that's Danny Jensen (laughs) before David Schneider (laughs) the guy who showed up and pulled the ball and hit with authority and also handled the pitching staff which again I don't believe in catcher ERA but he's been handling these pitchers now for a number of years with him behind the plate they all performed very well he you know he gave them the confidence to be who they were I think the reason he was overlooked is because the late injury broken hand Broken finger? Yeah,
1: yeah, he yeah, got hit in the hand,
0: in the finger. Yeah, um, meant he wasn't a factor in September, and that kind of or faded the out. Season. Yeah, and, and not in the postseason, which which is overlooked. But but the job he did to get them as as close as he did, I think, got got kind of evaporated. I thought it was a shame because again, I'm I'm not a Danny Jansen booster, and I think he did a great job this year. He just needs to stay healthy, damn it! <laughs> he's always <laughs> injured. Pull your hands in, son. Um, then we have uh, first impressions: the best and the worst.
2: Nick, who who hath you for um, best and worst first impressions? Uh, for best, I'd put Kevin Kiermaier, Um, and then for worst, definitely Brandon Belt. I mean, he was he's getting so buried. Bad. He what was getting on? buried. People <laughs> thought he might be done. Yeah, those those first. Yeah
0: first what well, first month of plate appearances was the 50 percent strikeout rate was was not was not uh confidence building yeah i mean so brandon belt got a
1: got a double in his in in the first game of the season and then he did not get a hit for the next five games he was one for 23 with 15 strikeouts and two walks epic that's a, a 405 leap. strikeout pace in 162 games. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good answer.
0: Yeah, uh, my best first impression was Davis Schneider because, you know, as much as you could cherry pick stats, et cetera, et cetera, that, that first series in Boston, getting hits every day and hitting home runs like it was nothing, that was, that was an amazing. For a guy nobody ever really predicted to be a star, Wow. Okay, David Schneider's here. Um, my worst was Chad Green, who, after waiting and waiting longer than Hyunjin Ryu, we waited for Chad Green. This is only his first outing, but as a Blue Jay, his first outing was two-thirds of an inning and he allowed four runs. Welcome He's to Rockies, the Rockies, right? Yeah, welcome to the team. You're dead on arrival, and then he was fine. So strictly a first yeah, really impression problem. <laughs> yeah, uh, Josh, yours.
1: So my my first impression was also Kiermaier. I mean, this is a guy who talked about how he's going to rob all these home runs and whatever. And then in the very first game at home, the fourth batter, he robs a home run.
0: And That's then he was awesome says on the
1: in April. Yeah. he's just just raking, hitting bombs. Um, my worst first impression was the player I most enjoyed watching, Chris Bassett. <laughs> he, his velocity was really low in spring training. And... Then in his first start in the season, it was still down and he gave up nine runs in three and a third against the, the Cardinals. Um, so it was sort of like, oh God, did the Jays sign this guy? And he immediately started showing his age. Well, obviously, you know, first impressions don't mean much because he was awesome,
0: but, but that was not a good start. Yeah, uh, now we move on to most pleasant surprise. Uh, for me, that was the team punting Anthony Bass off of the roster after a PR debacle with his homophobia. Um, yeah, we'll get we'll get into that more later. But <laughs> but the, the pleasant surprise for me was I thought that this was going to be like a weekly or biweekly discussion of what what Anthony Bass had waded into and the impact and da, da, da. and and it looked like that because of Pride Night coming up and it was all going kind of south and then the team was like. We could justify getting rid of you. You're gone. I was like, oh, thank goodness, thank, yeah, thank you,
2: um, Nick. Um, so Josh and I have the the same one here, which is Kyonjin uh, Ryu coming back and pitching so well down the stretch because you don't expect that with 35 year olds coming off Tommy John surgery, especially 35 year olds who were throwing 91. Before Tommy John surgery,
0: <laughs> they they didn't put in the tendon with the the four miles an hour in it. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, anything to add to that, Josh?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <Good>. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. That's okay. All right. Uh, Same answer. Now the Bon Voyage Award, a player that is widely loved as a Blue Jay that is destined to no longer be a Blue Jay. Josh, who is that?
1: That's yeah, unfortunately the guy we were just talking about. <laughs> you know, it was really nice having Ryu be a stabilizing force in the fifth spot. You know, he didn't—he wasn't someone you should have more than that, but I, I think he's gone. I think Ryu, who's been the guy who turned this Blue Jays fortunes around starting in 2020, I think he's done. I think he's going to go find a role somewhere else, and uh, he is widely loved. There's nobody who doesn't like Hyunjin Ryu.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I see Nick. Same answer for Nick. Same answer. Uh, I went with a hitter. I went with Brandon Belt. I think, I think Brandon Belt was well-loved when he was a giant. Uh, I think it's really nice to have a DH who, who can actually hit, um, you know, and, in, and in, in the role he's put into it excels. And I don't know, the veteran DHs for the Blue Jays have always been memorable players for me. You know, uh, the, the Dave Winfields and the Paul Molitors of the world. So I think Brandon Belt for me, sort of fills that same, same gap, the, to come in late in your career and, and, and do what you were asked to do. But I really don't think he's going to be a Blue Jay anymore.
1: Yeah, another, another answer for this, by the way, Kevin Kiermaier also widely loved and he's not going to be back. Ross Atkins referred to him as a former player at the press conference. <laughs>
0: yeah, some, some miracles are not meant to happen. So we go to the final categories of the year. Five, five definitive answers that we're going to hand out virtual awards for. The hitter of the year uh no no number of qualifying at bats for this uh i say davis schneider because one cannot argue with an ops that's like ops plus is like 50 points higher than anybody else on the team and that's with a horrible two weeks factored in where he didn't get any hits at all uh josh who do you have yeah same thing um, obviously, the,
1: there is a, there's a there's sample size element to this, and we always have this discussion every year because sometimes with big guys, it's like, no, that guy didn't play enough to have an impact. But he did have an impact, even though he only played 35 games because he was so key in their push to get in the postseason. 276, 404, 603 with eight home runs. He had, you know, as many home runs as Alejandro Kirk <laughs> in 35 <laughs> games. <laughs>
0: It's definitely not nothing. Yeah,
2: uh, Nick, who did you have? Uh, keeping with the theme of players that helped the Jays get in the postseason, despite uh, smaller overall contributions, Kevin Biggio. Uh, the because, year,
1: Kevin Biggio.
2: Yeah, because uh, again, he he played well down the stretch for the year. His weighted runs created plus was over a hundred. You know, again, he can play in the outfield, in the infield. Um, and, yeah, life's, life's all about managing expectations. And yeah. our expectations with Kevin Vigio were very well managed, and he pleasantly, <laughs> pleasantly surprised. And then he's is not a,
1: a, yeah, a <laughs> but most exceeded expectations category. Yeah. Um, yeah, It says a lot about how much the good hitters did not perform, that we didn't pick them. I mean, obviously, Belt yeah. and Bo, like they had really strong cases here, but like, there's no thought of picking
0: <laughs> really important hitters for this. <clears throat> yeah, it oh, speaks. No. It speaks no. to the fate of the team. Now, the worst hitter, uh, if there were not delay on on the way we record this, that we we you know my countdown would throw us all off, and we you just hear gobb- gobbledygook. I ask us to say it at the same time. Uh, the answer. <laughs>
1: there's only one answer.
0: Is Paul De Young? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who was supposed to sub in uh, capably for two weeks while Bobuchet healed a leg injury, and what he just just absolutely looked like like a Paul DeYoung impersonator showed up because he didn't want to cross the border, and uh, and for two weeks did nothing, absolutely nothing. How many hits did he get the whole time he was a Blue Jay? Three, three in forty four plate appearances.
1: He did not. Wow. So-
2: yeah My question with De young is because if I'm re- recalling properly, Bo then got hurt again. yeah were what were the jays was it the right, right. move for them to to cut De young? Yeah, hell,
1: yes. Ernie Clement was way better
2: <laughs> right. He was, but Paul, Paul De, young, De young, young also like went to the... San Francisco and hit like three home runs in one He game. had a
1: minus point four war with San Francisco or right? he hit so Paul De Young hit. A home run in his first game with the Giants, but with the Giants he hit 184 with a 180 on base, so lower than his batting average, and a 286 slugging. He was still terrible for the Giants. He through the for the from when he was traded from the Cardinals to the end of the season, Paul DeYoung had 93 plate appearances or at bats. So yeah, so we had 94 total at bats because he had a uh a sacrifice fly or players rather he struck out 36 times (laughs) he was awful and he walked zero right like 30 or sorry 34 strikeouts to zero walks with one home run
0: that's an epically Um, bad ratio like
1: (laughs) right like (laughs) i think you because he got to 44 play with the jays you could say he was worse than salted lamacchio was in 2017
2: yeah, there you go. This is why you ask. Yeah. Uh, picture
1: of Minus the...
0: of 0.8 war in two weeks. That's what their trade pickup contributed. Thanks for literally nothing. Uh, the pitcher <laughs> of the year uh, is another one where I could just have us all say it at the same time. I won't say it this time. I'll give uh, I'll give Nick the chance to
2: say it. Oh, Kevin Gossman. Yeah, he's, he's so consistent. You barely notice he's there, but he's excellent. And for two years in a row, he's been the ace of the J staff.
0: Strikes out a ton of people, doesn't walk a lot of people, and gets uh, shafted by either batted ball luck or lack of run support in the win column every time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean he's gonna he's gonna finish probably second in Cy Young voting, or at least top three. Right? I mean, it's clearly him. <laughs> uh, no, we should mention that just because we haven't. Jose Barrios was awesome this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, Chris Bassett was awesome. Kikuchi was great. The bullpen was fantastic all season long and we're not giving them any mentions here because they didn't fit any of the categories but kevin Gosman was just a step above the rest
2: yeah, I, mean, I mean it really is a testament to the team that they won 90 games given how bad their offense was 89 in terms of run scoring 89 <laughs> sorry
0: yeah if only they won 90 um yeah uh on the flip the worst pitcher i mean it's manoa
1: right
2: like yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. it is um
1: so, like, some relievers technically did worse. Like, the Simber was awful. I mean, he gave up, was it, six home runs in 20 innings for a guy who st- was famously stingy with home runs. But he only
0: pitched 20 innings. It's Manoa. Yeah, M- M- Manoa solidified his worstedness by both being awful for longer and then not really seeking to, uh, you know, Garner any of our love after he left the team by refusing to do anything other than sulk. So yeah, thank you. You can you can pick up your your uh you can pick up your award at reception, Alec, if you if you show up. And lastly, uh, of the actual awards that we're you know considering categories that, that have multiple answers, the MVP award I handeth out my MVP to Beau Bichette, who stuck around all year and did the things that we expect Bo Bichette to do which is more than i could say for anybody else on the offense and i don't like handing out mvps to pitchers so uh huh. that's that's why Bo Bichette for me josh
1: come on man we got a best hitter award <laughs> yeah i know but go ahead contradict me so no here's the thing the ar- there's two arguments one that Bo has to get it because if he doesn't do that, the offense doesn't even get them to the post, doesn't do enough to get them into the postseason. The argument against is how do you give this to a hitter <laughs> with the 2023 blue Jays?
0: Yeah. Well, those are both fair arguments. Uh, you fell on the second argument, I think.
1: Yeah. I could not in good conscience give this to a hitter. So I said, I picked Kevin Gausman, which is fair. Because of the reasons we
0: just discussed about the best pitcher. Right. Because he was just awesome. He Nick. led the league in strikeouts, 185 innings. He was awesome. Uh, Nick, are you going to yep. waffle here or are you going to pick somebody?
2: No, no. Well, while I agree with Josh that Gossman's individual performance was probably better than Bo's, um, I, I think, yeah, without without Bo, this team is not in the playoffs. He's the, he's, I was thinking he's also probably the most complete player on the position player side too in oh, terms yeah, of sure. like yeah you know like belt might have had a higher ops but he you know, he b- plays some first base yeah and I mean, he, he also even, doesn't
1: play against left-handed pitchers, yeah. pitchers. he's better yeah, a platoon yeah. Bat.
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> belts like a i heard this analogy not about Brandon Belt but he's he's like an 18 1800s war instrument like he's still effective but you have to wheel him into position before you <laughs> fire him off <laughs> so, yeah uh, so yeah, no, I think it's Bo for for sure. Yeah, that and honestly, watching that team hit this year, if Bo wasn't in the lineup, like, oh, it would be. I'd, I'd watch. Well, we the, saw like, it.
1: We saw it for a few baseball. weeks, and like yeah. we got a little little fun from David Schneider to distract
0: us for a little bit. But oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now this one I'm going to leave to you to explain, Josh. Although the explanation isn't super long, it is the do-over of the year because we're all about do-overs here. Um, you know. If if you could do one thing different, what would it be?
1: Just jettison bass right away. Like the the do-over is for how that all went down. With bass, you know, he's basically sticking to his guns for the first comments. It's like, okay, well, yeah, that's not a surprise. And then Ross Atkins comes out. Oh, you know, he talked to me and he's he's learned a lot and blah 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 blah. It's like, okay, they're clearly trying to cover and just let this blow over. And then they interviewed Bass again. <laughs> He's like, no, no, man. I just wish I didn't say it out loud. I still think this is all this crap. Yeah. It's like, just just get rid of it. not like he was even good either, right? It's like, why are you defending this guy? You shouldn't be defending anybody with the, with what he was saying. But, man, just like, ugh.
0: Yeah, they did he that was- all horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, you, the correct answer was staring you in the face the whole time and you kept turning around and, and plugging your ears and blah, blah, blahing it. Not necessary. Horrible people can be treated horribly. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, not, not a reward, not anything else. This is my last Artificial Turf Force podcast as host. Um, so uh, we were asked by Colleen Evans at ColleenEvans6 uh, for my favorite moment uh or episode or, or something like that from the whole time i've been doing this which it, josh and i figured it out it's nine years cough mm-hmm. uh and then my most embarrassing memory um i i don't get embarrassed a lot so i'll go with that one first i i think the embarrassing part is the number of times you have corrected me on the pronunciation of a player's name josh <laughs> But it was part of our shtick. <laughs> After a while, it was like, "Ah, uh, Josh will get this one." I'm, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on it. Oh, I have put the emphasis <laughs> in the wrong spot. Oh, I, that J is pronounced like a Y. Oh, here we go. Uh hmm. Yeah, the only one I ever feel confident about is is uh, Jimmy Garcia because he's he's done it all the different ways, so I can be you right can't and get wrong. It wrong. At the, yeah, I can be right and no wrong. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> So that's that's my embarrassment. Um my favorite my favorite thing about this podcast was inventing the swing and a drive game and having so many people play it and tell me afterwards that it sounded easy when they were, were listening as a listener, but whenever they got an opportunity to actually play it, and Nick is among those people, man, did did so much doubt and confusion come into their minds. Uh figuring I can't out believe we didn't do a swing and a drive to finish this. Ugh. It's well, Buck has been calling games. Yeah, Buck doesn't call games anymore. So I, I mean, I'm not trashing Buck because he he went through a lot with his cancer diagnosis, and and it makes sense that Shulman is doing it. We did lose a little something though with Buck not doing play by play, but yeah, I'm I'm proud of of inventing a game that that caused so much levity uh, among people who were Blue Jays fans, and I I don't think it really hurt anybody. Right? It was it was just good no. fun. No. It wasn't good fun. And it was hard. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I I was the
1: swing and a drive champ more often than not. I'm going to brag about that because I enjoyed playing your game. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it was, it it was a lot of fun. It, It was, I think it was something that made us different from everybody else. Nobody else had that.
0: No. Hundred percent. It was it, it. Like I said, I really felt like we we invented a new format, uh, which again couldn't have done it without Buck. Because certainly there's nothing nothing quite like it out there. Ah, uh, well. Um, I don't think we need. Do we need final thoughts? Would you? Do you have a final thought, either Nick or or uh, or Josh? Well, I do. Josh? yeah, go, go for the season for 2023. No, man, I'm gonna miss you. That's yeah, my final uh, thought. Yeah,
2: Greg, they're not about the season. <laughs> Come on. <laughs>
0: No,
1: it's, yeah, like it, it's been an absolute treasure doing this with you for nine years. As you said, like we've been you and I have been talking basically once a week without seeing each other for nine years. And <laughs> you know, we got to know the way each other speaks and the joke and the way we like to joke and our rhythms. And it, it just it felt like just talking to a good friend because you are a good friend. Right. But that, and that's what it's been like for me, just having a baseball chat with a friend for nine years. And it's going to be I don't know what's going to happen going forward with the podcast i haven't decided yet probably take a few weeks without an episode with well while i figure out what i want to do going forward but and nick obviously you could be involved in that too because this is yours as well
0: but uh it will not be the same without you uh and and i i appreciate that sentiment and and i also knew it to be true before you said it because so many times when, when things were not going well in some of the down years, you know, t- 2017, 2018, when we were doing this, I would be pretty miserable about this team and and just talking with you for an hour uh, while a whole bunch of other people got to listen in generally cheered me up, right? There, there would be a joke or, or or a moment where we realized how, how pitiful something had gone and it made it more okay. So, you know, thanks for being a friend and thanks for having these conversations with me. And if I was still gonna try and, watch baseball? I think I think I would I would need this to get me through, but I think I'm better off just stepping away as it is. Uh, do you have a final thought, Nick?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Um, I remember, you know, before I spoke or or met either of you guys, I was just a fan of what you guys were doing. I remember, you know, being on tour in Europe listening to the I believe it was the Blue Jays Plus podcast. Am I getting that right? That is correct. Yep. yep. And, and you know, listening to you guys. And uh, I just always I loved I loved listening to you. I you know, I loved kind of the 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 tone and the tenor of, of, of the podcast and, and your guys' perspectives. And so to go from that to getting to to talk to you and hang out with you and talk, you know, talk at you with, with my dumb ideas. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's been awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sad. I'm not going to get to do that anymore with you, Greg, but I'm glad you're making the the decision that's right for you. I, yeah. I think it's a very like smart and mature thing. And I think it's something we should all kind of think about in our lives and like, something's not bringing you joy anymore, especially something as trivial as professional baseball as i know it doesn't feel like that all the time for a lot of us that it's trivial but yeah i I really i really think it's a mature and and smart thing to do and depending on how early you get up in the morning greg can i interest you in premier league soccer
0: Uh, to fill the void that's gonna be a no for me dog <laughs> yeah. um yeah. the most the least surprising answer of all of this episode was
1: a no there from greg
0: <laughs> oh my goodness well thanks guys i do appreciate it and, and thank you to all the listeners who have chimed in on twitter already and said they're gonna miss me i do appreciate it um it's been a it's been a lot of fun it's been a good run and it for me it's a it's a great spot to end it at so uh that is to say this uh, uh, sorry, that is to say you have been Joshua Hausam at Joshua Hausam and uh, Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010 and this has been episode number 286 of Artificial Turf Wars and I am signing off for the last time. <laughs>